verses 16 and 17, and that's page 1047 in the Bible in the pew in front of you. Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, uh, again, we welcome you and we thank you for being with us. It encourages us that you're here and we want to be an encouragement to you. We encourage you and everybody else here this morning to be sure and pick up our new quarter. It's the third quarter of the plan from the beginning. It's our reading through uh, the story of the scriptures from beginning of the end throughout the year. And also our summer faith series. The speakers here in the auditorium are speaking on the text of the Bible reading of the week. And so this coming week, there'll be a change in the schedule. And Dale Jenkins is going to be speaking this week. And uh, he'll be here Wednesday night and he'll be speaking on the passage there of 2 Samuel 1 through 7, something out of that passage. And so it's a wonderful way to study the Bible on your own and then be enriched through a study together. And so we just want to encourage everybody. We want to continually encourage each other to study God's word. That's our diet. Without the study of God's word, we cannot live spiritually. That is our spiritual food. We're also, uh, as already been prayed about this morning, want to encourage everyone to continue praying about our stateside mission trip that will be in Elizabethton uh, beginning this next, uh, this coming Friday. We'll leave and the, the campaign will actually begin Saturday morning. And so please be praying that God will uh, open the hearts and that we'll have open eyes to find those hearts that are looking for him. And that'll be a great encouragement for us. It'll be a great encouragement for the congregation which we're working with, but especially that we'll be able to reach souls in that community that are looking for God. Also this afternoon, uh, beginning at our evening worship service, uh, we'll start the clock counting of 48 hours for our chisel. Uh, outing, which is 48 hours for the high school and college age young men. And want to encourage you guys to be sure and pick up an updated form of what you need to bring. The last one uh, did not include your sleeping bag or pillow, and you'll probably want that. So be sure and uh, there on the uh, table at the uh, youth booth there, be sure and pick up an updated uh, list of things that you'll want to bring for this trip. And we're thankful for the opportunity to do this trip, and we'd ask everyone to be prayerful of it, that the good that God would want to be accomplished on this would absolutely be accomplished. The preacher got up and he preached a lesson about dedicating your life to the Lord and the song leader got up and immediately led, I shall not be moved. He thought that's kind of coincidental, uh, strange. And so the next week he got up and he preached on giving and the song leader got up and he led the song, Jesus paid it all. He thought maybe this is more than just a coincidence. So the next week he preached on the sin of gossiping and the song leader got up and he preached, I love to tell the story. So this really, this really discouraged him so much that the poor young preacher got up the next week and he said, uh, he just expressed his discouragement. And he said, I'm really thinking about resigning. And, uh, and so the song leader got up and he led, oh, why not tonight? And so... <laughs> The next week he did uh, resign, but he said, I believe the Lord's with me and I believe the Lord is leading me in this and I'm sure that everything's gonna be all right. And the song leader got up and led, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. 
That reminds us of what surely we all already know. And that is that there are, there are messages in songs and those messages are supposed to empower us. We do live in a culture that is very saturated with music and I don't say that as a negative thing. I'm just rising, uh, raising awareness in our minds at this moment. We live in a time where many of you will leave here and, and almost on the way to your vehicle, you will start thinking about what you're gonna put your iPod on or a song that you're gonna put on your phone or, or when you get in your vehicle, you're immediately gonna turn to a certain station, a certain artist, a certain kind of song. And, and when you go down the road, if it's the one you don't like, you just click to the next one, you advance, you, you change stations and you'll go home and you'll turn music on in your house. And we have become accustomed to the entertainment of music where we want it. We want it all the time. We want exactly what we want to hear. And if we're not careful, it's very easy to allow that entertainment mentality to bleed into what we do when we come into the house of God to worship and it would be easy to forget that I'm not here in this song service to be entertained. You remember back a month ago, we studied Isaiah the sixth chapter. The Lord is the one on the throne high and lifted up and he is the only one in the audience. At least it should be that way. Maybe there's more than that here this morning, but it shouldn't be. There ought to only be one in the audience. You see, when you go to a concert, there's only one performing or a group performing for everybody else and everybody else is in the audience. But when we come to worship God, we are the performers, if we want to use that word just to illustrate that it's not entertainment for us. We are the performers and God is the one that's high and lifted up. And everything that we do is because it's what he has asked in worship. And everything we do is to lift and to praise not only Him, but His will. God, what is it that you accept as we studied a few weeks ago at the end of the book of Hebrews? God, what is your will? What is acceptable to you? And so this passage that has just been capably read, I'd like to remind you, if you have your Bible open there of some things that won't be on the first uh, few slides that we have here, I'd like for you to remind you of the setting of this passage that is just read. In other words, if, if your mindset is, oh, that's Colossians 3 and 16, that's what the verse that tells us about how to worship. And, and if your mindset, it just abruptly becomes that. In other words, you're just reading through the book of Colossians and all of a sudden there's this big break and it says, now for just a verse or two, let me talk to you about worship as if we just walk in off the streets and, and we live however we want to live and, and we just kind of turn a dial and we say, oh, now I'm in the worship mode. But instead, when we look at Colossians, the second chapter in verse 11 and 12, we see that that baptism is a big deal. Not because it's just the act of getting in water, but individuals that are truly following Christ in the new covenant, whenever they want to be saved. And he talks about here in Colossians 2, 11, 12, and 13, that we were dead. Think about that, spiritually dead in the trespasses of our sins. But then he talks about us becoming alive through coming to Jesus through the waters of baptism. And so with that in mind, he talks about moving from, notice this, spiritual death 
to spiritual life is going to change our spiritual mind. And look in Colossians, the third chapter, verse one. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is setting the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. And he continues talking along those lines. Now that we're spiritually alive, we're going to have spiritual thoughts. We're going to have spiritual expectations. Everything about our life is looking up. God, what is it that you want us to do? Because of that, in verse eight, there are things that we're literally going to put off. Just like you take a jacket off, there are things that we're going to put off in our daily walk, our daily behavior. Notice just a little bit of this list in verse eight, put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. And he continues there. And the reason we put that off is because in verse 10, we've been renewed in knowledge. We're a new man. We're made after the image of him. The word image there. Uh, remember that that is the word for icon, literally in Greek, that word is icon. And so he's literally teaching us here now that we're no longer dead, we're alive. Now we no longer think like the world. We think with our mind set on heavenly things. Now we've taken off the old ways that we used to be that way, but now we're not that way because we have changed. What has changed? Now we're a new person. We walk after the image of Christ and icon leads us toward. You can look at a faithful Christian and he or she will lead you toward God. And so then because of that, there's some things we put on. Look at verse 12 and stay with me. We're getting there. I know, I know this is kind of trailing on, but this is important. Stay with me. In verse 12, there's some things we put on. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Look in verse 14, above all those things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now here we go. This is leading us in. So no longer dead, alive, no longer thinking about the world, thinking about Christ. Now we're a new image. We're, we're, we're the icon of Christ. We put off the things that, that would make us not like Christ. We put on the things that would be like Christ. And so in 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Inside your heart, there's one who reigns and it's God and God brings peace to which you also are called into one body and be thankful. Your heart is now being ruled by God. So you know the peace of God and you have found your place in the body. So now you realize you're a part of Christ's body and Christ's body will, will give you a place to belong. But now you're a part of something more important than you. And so you got the peace of God and a place. Peace of God is something you can never provide for yourself. And the place is something you cannot provide for yourself, but it comes with huge responsibility. So what are you supposed to do in this place? Now, let's read the very next verse is verse 16. That's already been read, but now let's read it in this context. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What's the message? The message is that there is a huge and significant, deep purpose to our singing. And that purpose is for us to realize and to have the opportunity to express, according to what we just read, the word of Christ dwelling in us. Listen, we don't have a song to sing that God wants to hear us sing unless it's because the word of Christ is dwelling in us and we're singing something that we believe. We're singing something that we've lived. Go back again to, to the context here. 
This is people singing that their life has gone from dead to alive. Their mind has gone from earthly to heavenly. Their life is totally changed. They've put off things. They've put on things. And now they have Christ, the knowledge of Christ dwelling in them. And when they sing, they sing with purpose a message. Singing is powerful. In a Harvard lecture... One talked about what the Nazis had to go through to first change the music in Germany before they could take over Germany because they said without changing the music, they could never gain power because music is that powerful. We didn't come up with the idea of saying when we come together to worship, let's sing. God was the one who gave that, instituted that, directs that. Gives us even the guidelines for it. What is it that God wants us to accomplish in this? Second, we realize that it is giving us the opportunity to sing with wisdom and with this wisdom to teach and admonish one another. Third, we see that it gives us the opportunity to have grace. That's a generous gift in our heart that we give to God. So we're singing out of a knowledge that God has given us. We're singing to encourage each other. We're singing to praise the heavenly father as we just studied for all that he's done for giving a spiritual life and spiritual direction and spiritual hope. Now with that in mind, I'd like for you to drop back to Deuteronomy the 31st chapter and, and we're just going to develop something out of, out of this beautiful story where the children of Israel were on the east side of, of the Red Sea and they were about uh, to cross over or the Jordan and they were about to cross over and Moses was not going to be allowed to go over. He was going to die and Joshua was instituted as the new leader. And God gave Moses, God gave Moses, if you will, a song. And uh, if we'll have a slide for part of this, if you have your Bible there, Deuteronomy the 31st chapter, you could drop back to verse 14. That's kind of where this paragraph begins, where God is fearful uh, in the sense that he, he dreads what's going to happen to the children of Israel. He knows that they're going to get over and have these nice big houses to live in. Remember, they've been slaves for 400 years and they've been in the wilderness for 40 plus years. And so they're going to get there and they're going to have nice meals. They're going to have nice places to live. And he knows that in time, they're going to forget him. And so he wants to give them some way to remember if you wanted them to remember in the future, what would you give them? Isn't it amazing that all the things that God could have given them, God gave them a song. Looks, let's begin reading verse 19. Now, therefore, he's saying this to Moses, write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Every phrase there is powerful. If we wanted to study, why is it that God wants us to sing? This is going to be a witness. This song is going to be remembered. They're going to know God when they learn this song. Now, 2021, when I brought them to the land of flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, and then they will turn to other gods and serve them. They will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. 
For I know the inclinations of their behavior today, even before I brought them to the land which I swore to them. Therefore, Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Now, if you... If this intrigues you, you ought to really go home this afternoon and read Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 is the song. And it's just awesome to see some of the phrases that we still sing today. Like, for example, in verse 4, the end of 3 talks about the greatness of God. In verse 4, he is the rock. We just sung about that a few minutes ago. His work is perfect. And all the way through, it's identifying how God has worked in the lives of the children of Israel. Now, why... Did he want this song to be written and taught to them? Because songs are powerful. Second, he wanted it because songs are usually remembered far beyond dialogue. And so it is, it is easier for a song to be perpetuated generation after generation than it is simply a dialogue. Let's face it, this sermon this morning, there won't be any of you that will quote word for word two or three sentences in a row of this sermon ever. You won't over lunch. You won't this week. You won't next week. But you know what? Many, if not all of the songs we've just sung, every one of us will quote them over and over and over in our lifetime. How powerful is singing. When God wanted Moses to give the people a message that they would remember for generations, he says, give them one that testifies of me. So the song is going to be about God. Well, give them this message in the form of what? Give them this message in the form of a song so that it will go for generation to generation. Now, and it, isn't it also interesting that the third point, and I'm really going to take this point a little bit different than what you're first going to hear it probably and what you're first going to think. The third point here is not only that it's powerful and that perpetuated through the generations, but isn't it interesting that it was a new song? You know, it, it is interesting how if we're not careful, we start saying, I want certain songs of certain generation. There's some people that I want only new songs. Or there's someone that says, I, I want songs that are only older songs. And really that's real foolish in a way because every song that's ever been sung was a new song right after it was written. And so all, the only reason I'm bringing that up, and this is where I say I'm probably going to go a different direction than what you expected. I think it's foolish to pit one against the other. There are tremendous songs that have been written in the last few years and there are tremendous songs that have been written in the last few centuries. You see, what I'm wanting you to see this morning is that when we say things like that, if we're not careful, we're probably coming from an entertainment mindset. Why did God give Moses this song and why did Moses give this song to the children of Israel? Because there was a spiritual message that had to be heard. There was a spiritual message that had to be carried on. What songs do we need to sing? We need to sing songs that has the spiritual message that will perpetuate the faith that God would want us to have, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. We are very, very common, uh, accepting of the phrase song leader. 
Do you realize that a song leader is a spiritual leader? And if a song leader is not a spiritual leader, we've got the wrong thing happening in worship. And so it's not, can you lead the top 10 favorite songs of this church every week? The most important thing that any song leader could ever think is, what spiritual message do we need this week in song? And if that is a song that was written last week, or if it was a song that was written in the 1700s, or if it was a psalm written in psalms thousands of years ago, that's the one that we need to be singing. And so Deuteronomy really opens our eyes to what does God say about the purpose of singing? He talks about its power and he talks about it being perpetuated. And God had no problem whenever the people needed to be reminded of a message of saying, let's write a new song for them. And so now in the little bit of time we have left, let's go back to Colossians here. And I'd like for you to think about the purpose of singing. And we're going to skip a few slides here, Sean. Let's go down to Colossians 3 and 16. And let's, let's read this again. It's the same verse, but I want you to notice this phrase here. Notice how we have the word of Christ dwelling in you richly in all wisdom. Now, what's that wisdom dwelling in us for? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When we sing, there is a great benefit, horizontal as well as vertical. We do sing under the authority of the one sitting on the throne. But the one on the throne says, I want you to sing also in such a way that it's going to build you up. It's going to build the person up sitting around you. What does this mean? This is one of these great one another phrases. On this next slide, we see several one another phrases that deal in worship. And this is only a few of them. But here in Colossians 3 and 16, why do we sing? We sing so it's a benefit to one another. Look at James 5 and 16. Why do we pray for one another for the forgiveness of sins? One another, the forgiveness of sins. Why do we take the Lord's Supper? Remember we studied last week. It's not just a table. It's not just ingredients on the table, but it is, the, it is communion. It is what we share together. That's why in 1 Corinthians 11 and 33, he tells us to wait for one another. And even just talking about the assembly of worship in general, he says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 26, let all things be done for edification. It's the idea of when we sing that we ought to be building each other up in the truth that we sing sing and in the persuasive way that we sing. Every one of us teach if we sing the word of God. Every one of us is set in a class where we're not convinced that the teacher even believes what they're saying and they definitely haven't convinced anybody else to follow what they say. And you know what most of us do in classes like that? We walk out of those classes and we say that is a terrible teacher. What about the people sitting around you this morning? Would you be a terrible teacher? Have you convinced anybody in what you've sung this morning that Christ's word is dwelling in you? And you believe that there's tons of wisdom in Christ's word? And you want to teach and admonish the people sitting around you with the words that we've sung? You talk about active participants. Singing is one of the most active things that we do in worship if we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. 
And what a wonderful opportunity it is to build up each other. That's why in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, verse 14 and 15, or 15 and 16, you know, this is the passage where he talks about praying with the Spirit and praying with understanding also. And then he says, singing with the Spirit and singing with the understanding also. Why do we need to sing with the Spirit? It's the Spirit of man joining up with the Spirit of God. And so that's why the spirit here is a lowercase s. In other words, it's not something that we do for entertainment value. It literally is spiritual instead of fleshly. But notice we sing with understanding. How am I going to convince anybody how great God is in a song if I don't believe great God is great? And so we sing with understanding. We sing what we have already in our knowledge and in our hearts. Now, as we move to this final point, I'd like for you to look again at Colossians 3 and 16 and just notice that last line of verse 16. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Grace is that generous gift. You have grace. You have a generous gift in your heart and you're going to sing that gift and you say, all right, this knowledge that you have, that you're singing about, it is supposed to edify and encourage one another, but it does go much higher than the rafters. It goes through the heavens to the highest heaven, and it is to give thanks to God. Now, as we think about that giving thanks to God, if I say to you, Psalm 51, many of you immediately know that's the prayer that we believe David prayed after he committed the sin with Bathsheba, and Nathan confronted him and said, David, you are the man. Now, if I said to you that in that prayer, there's a great message of song, probably a lot of us would say, I don't, I don't remember singing being discussed in that passage, but it's there and it's really powerful in the way that it's there. And so look with me in Psalm 51 and in verse 14, notice now that he is humbled. Now that he is wanting to get his life back right with God. Notice what he says in Psalm 51 and 14. And think about this gift that we give to God. And he says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Remember, he had Bathsheba's husband Uriah put to death. And he says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And notice what his response is going to be. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. See, that's having the, the knowledge of Christ dwelling in us. And he says, of the knowledge of God, he says, I'm going to sing of your righteousness. Notice, he hadn't lived God's righteousness lately, but he's penitent. He's sorry. And as he comes back, he says, Lord, I want to respond. And I want to respond through song. And so he says, I want to sing of your righteousness. Now look at verse 15. Oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice. Keep in mind, he was king. He could have brought thousands of animals and sacrifice, but he knew that that wasn't what God wanted right now. He says, does not desire sacrifice or else I'd give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you'll not despise. David, what are you doing? I'm showing God my heart. David, how are you showing God your heart? And he says, listen to the song that I'm singing to him. Singing is powerful. If we understand what God has planned for us in song. This morning, many of us are at different places spiritually in our maturation process. And so for just a moment, if at the close of this, I could beg you 
please realize we are never going to grow spiritually the way God has designed for us to grow until we master His plan for singing. You are always going to remain spiritually immature if you cannot obey His will for you to sing. And for you to sing from your heart the knowledge of God. Somebody says, well, that's just not my talent. God gives everybody the ability to at least sing. It's not a critique. Keep in mind, we're not in the entertainment business here. We're in the business of, that is spiritual, moving people closer to God. God, how is it that you want me to move closer to you? And he says, I want to give you this, this means. I want to give you this avenue. And it's powerful. And I want you to come together as a church. And it's not about, is everybody here on the right key? Is everybody here talented musicians? Have you ever thought about if you had never come into a church service for how strange it would be? You've never been anywhere else where everybody came with no rehearsals and yet everybody sung. You see, it's foreign. It's foreign in every aspect except in the Lord's church among the Lord's people. God expects us to come with a heart full of grace, of love, of thanksgiving to Him. A heart that's humbled because He's so perfect and we're not. He's so powerful and we're weak. And so we have this thanksgiving that, that's, that's boiling over, if you will. It's, it, we're ready to sing it. And as we do, we have this knowledge and we're going to sing it to each other. And we leave. How many times do we leave with a song still running through our mind as we're going to our car and as we're driving to work the next day. And it's a message that inspires and encourages us to live on in the Christian walk. I have no doubt in my mind that when we stand before God, if He chose to show us the big screen in the sky and say, God, what difference did it make on earth if someone sung or if they didn't sing, I believe he could show in the sky and it would be all of the difference between spiritual death and spiritual life. Do you trust him? Will you take him at his word? He wants you to sing and it's really good for you. But he wants you to sing from a heart that's deeply in love and committed to Him. And so this morning, we're about to sing a song to each other of encouragement. It's a song where the brothers and sisters that are sitting around you are going to be singing in hopes that there is anyone here that their relationship is not right with God or if someone is just struggling in their walk or someone needs prayers of the church, this song is literally being sung as others around you are teaching and encouraging you and admonishing you to take that step. It's not sung out of, well, it's just a tradition we do. 
It's sung out of deep love for God and for your soul. And if you're ready to be baptized into Christ, if you're ready to come back, that's why we're singing. And we'd love to rejoice with you and the heavenly host. If we help in any way, come as we stand as we sing.